Welcome to the life of Jesus. This is term four, lessons 33 and 34. We're starting out with lesson 33. We're going to pick up where we left off last time, and this was on page 11 in chapter 5. Um, I was actually making a point there when we had to stop. So we might need to go back a little bit just to revisit this point. Just one page back to John chapter 1 and verse 4. It's almost up the top of the page. It says, In him was life, that's everlasting life, and the life was the light of men. Remember again, first of all, Jesus said in John 8, 12, that I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Very interesting, they always tie those two very closely together. All right, and then what we then looked at last week, and we began this journey, um, I'm now on page 11 at the top, where I've said here, first of all, in 1 John chapter 1 and verse 5, the Apostle John says, God is light, and in Him is no darkness at all. So Jesus, remember, said again that He is the light. Now I want to show you that we too are light. Amen? And so we start our journey here in 1 John 1 5, where again John says, God is light, and in Him is no darkness at all. God is light, and in Him, I'm at the top of page 11, there is no darkness at all. Maybe we're different pages. Okay. All right. Secondly, in Genesis 1.26, God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness. And thirdly, in Genesis 2.7, these are all in a paragraph, um, it said that the Lord God breathed into His nostrils the breath of life. So putting all this together, since God is light, and since we were made in His image and His likeness, then the moment that God breathed His life into us, we receive both His life and light, or glory. And now we can understand why it says in Psalm 8.5, For you made us only a little lower than God, and you crowned us with glory and honor. Alright? That glory was breathed into us. Before, before God breathed into us, we were just a piece of dirt, <laughs> basically, all right? Refashioned, but still, that's where we came from. That's why Ecclesiastes says that our bodies go back to the dust, and our spirits return to God. Amen? All right. So, here we see, again, the, uh, one of the reasons why that the psalmist says that you crowned us with glory, all right, and honor. That's the reason that Jesus himself said then in... Matthew chapter 13 and verse 43, about our final end, then the righteous will shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their father. Notice it's S-U and not S-O-N. We're literally going to shine like the sun, okay, up in the sky. And he says, the righteous shall shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their father. He who, he who has ears to hear, let him hear, because not many people want to hear it. Every time Jesus says that, I almost think Jesus looks around at the crowd and almost sees the crowd going, and it's almost like he's going, you know what, those of you who want to hear this, can hear this. I can see most of you don't. <laughs> okay? It's not said, but you know, it's very much implied. So this also explains the incident recorded in Matthew 17, verses 1 and 2, where it said, Now after six days Jesus took Peter, James, and John, his brother, led them up a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as light. Wow. Wouldn't you have liked to have been there that day? 
Amen? So again, this isn't just figurative light. You know, it's very interesting. Every time Jesus said he was something, he literally demonstrated, he li- he demonstrated it in a literal sense. Okay, that's what I want to say. <laughs> right? He says, I'm the bread of life, and he multiplies bread. He says, I'm the resurrection and the life. He brings somebody back from the dead. You know, he just doesn't say stuff. He actually does it. Yeah, he says, I'm the light of the world, and ta-da! He really is light. Amen? And um, anyway, so returning to the Gospel of John, chapter 1 and verse 5 goes on to say, so we understand now that we are in that same position as well. Even though we're looking at the life of Jesus right now, we need to know that we are God's children. Amen? And because of what Jesus did, aren't you glad He went to the cross? Aren't you glad He died for us? So that we could step in to what He had and He is right now. Hence, He comes to live in us. Amen? Why He said to Paul, if you've done it to the least one of these, you have done it to me. Amen. Alright, so, let's get back to the Gospel of John. Back to John chapter 1 and verse 5. It goes on to say there, And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. Now, the Apostle John saw firsthand how Jesus Christ, the light, shone on the darkness of religion and its leaders, and among other things, how they just didn't comprehend or receive anything he said. And why he would record later in uh, John chapter 8, verse 43, Why can't you understand what I am saying? It is because you are unable to do so. Notice, darkness could not comprehend this light. Do you understand? And this, this is... Um, we need to understand this. Let me step out here for a minute. We need to understand this when we are ministering to people. People that are walking in darkness can't comprehend what you're saying half the time. They just can't comprehend it. You know, you think it's just plain as day. You think it's just simple as ever. And they just can't wrap their head around it. Have you noticed that? And it's almost frustrating. Corinthians talks about their rejection. Corinthians says that because they don't want to hear, they blind themselves to what is being offered. And they become self-deceived and all sorts of other things. And, you know, darkness is there. And that's the thing that we need to understand. Amen? That if you don't want to know... You know, there were a whole bunch of people that wanted to know. But these religious leaders just didn't want to know. They were, he was messing up everything that they were doing. And they, you know what's interesting? In the, in the beginning of Jesus' ministry, how many times it said that multitudes pressed up against him to come to hear him teach. It wasn't the miracles. They wanted to hear what he had to say. He, what he taught was so extraordinary. Now as time went on, they wanted more and more miracles. And, and we're going to go down that road later. We're not there yet today here. Alright. But this is something very interesting. Again, when John says, And the light shines in the darkness. It's interesting he didn't use past tense words, isn't it? He didn't say that the light shone in the darkness. Because the light continually shines. The light is shining today. Amen? And it's just a continual shining. And it says here, And the darkness did not comprehend it. The Spirit-filled Bible uh, says, Verse 5 could read, The darkness is unreceptive and does not understand it. The darkness will never be able to eliminate the light. The Christian's joy is in knowing that light is not only greater than darkness, but will also 
outlast darkness. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. All right. Further to this, Leon Morris points out that the theme of the perpetual conflict between darkness and light is found throughout the book. People's condemnation is that they loved the darkness rather than the light. Interesting, isn't it? That was what Jamie was, was talking about when people reject things. They love the darkness. They don't want to know the answer. They don't want to hear a way out because they like where they are. They'll complain about it continuously and stay there. Isn't that interesting? I always think that's very interesting. The way people will just... You know why they complain? Because instinctively they know it's the wrong thing. But you know why they stay there? Because they enjoy it. Oxymoron. Okay. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just a moron. Yeah, all right. <laughs> all right. Jesus calls on them to follow him so that they do not walk in darkness. That's in John 8 12. They are to walk while they have the light, lest darkness overtake or overcome them. The same uh, verb as John 12 35. Jesus came into the world as light, so that whoever believes on him should not stay in darkness. His whole mission was a conflict between the light and the darkness. I like that. Huh? His whole mission. There's a conflict between the light and the darkness. And we need to see that. We need to comprehend that. That's one of those meditative things. Amen? Because you need to understand that what comes against you, whatever form it takes, whether it's religion, whether it's nasty people, whatever form it takes, it comes down to darkness. Do you understand? Because remember, we have been rescued from that kingdom. It is a kingdom. Amen? And we have been translated into the kingdom of, we could say, light, but it says His dear Son. And we are that light. Hallelujah. And I think that's incredible in that we just didn't get translated into the kingdom of light. We actually got the kingdom of light put inside of us. Hence, we are the temple of the Holy Ghost. We're one day going to get all these revelations, and then that will be the end. <laughs> we don't need Bible college anymore. Alright, now, having introduced the light, the Apostle John goes on to introduce the forerunner of that light. And says in John chapter 1, verses 6 through 8, There was a man sent from God, whose name was John. Notice, this man was sent from God. He didn't send himself. I know a lot of people that sent themselves. Okay, and self-proclaimed prophets and everything else. But it's very interesting that John says there was a man sent from God. So we know that whatever he's, this man is going to say is going to be true. Amen? Alright, whose name was John. And this man came for a witness to bear witness of the light. That all through him, that's John, might believe. Specifically, that Jesus Christ was in fact the Savior of the world. Alright? This is what John's whole mission is. The Apostle John, not John the Baptist necessarily at the moment. But the Apostle John is trying to let people know that, yeah, you killed your Messiah. So all the witnesses that he's going to bring in is to let them know that the Christ, he was the, the anointed, their Messiah. That's the reason when we're going to get further on to the incident with the woman at the well, the, the story, as incredible as it is, 
And as much as we, you know, we love it and, and, and it has so many aspects to it, and we will cover basically every aspect as much as I know to cover when we get there. One of the key things in that, which people miss a lot of times, is what the Samaritans say. The Samaritans say, this is the Messiah. And the, the Apostle John wanted to let people know, even though he, he's Jewish, he came to his own and they did not receive him. Remember that? Okay? That even though the Jews rejected him, the Samaritans, <laughs> the people that the Jews hated, received him. Even they, as spiritually blind as they were, recognized him. Amen? So that was a slap in the Jewish face. When he says that, that they, and he put that incident in there for that reason. There was a lot of stuff in there, man. There was a lot of stuff. It wasn't just that he spoke to a woman. It's just that a Samaritan village received him as the Messiah. And said, please stay with us and teach us some more. And he stayed another two days. Don't know what his plans were, but he stayed. Amen. Amen. Now I know there's a Samaritan village later on that's going to reject him. And you know, the sons of thunder are going to say, rain down fire on them. But that's another village. That's not this one. Alright. Let's get back to this. So again it says here, and notice again, it was to bear witness of that light. And verse 8 goes on to say, He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. Now to understand why the Apostle John decides to mention John the Baptist, right in the middle of his introduction to the Gospel, we need to look at Luke chapter 3 verses 15 and 16. There Luke writes, Now as the people were in expectation, and all reasoned in their hearts about John, whether he was the Christ or not. That's the reason why the Apostle John says, he was not the one. Do you understand? Okay, see, people were happy to have John the Baptist as the one. Remember, his, both his parents were from priestly lines. Yeah. They didn't know Jesus came from a kingly line. They, bought, they went to Bethlehem because they were of the house of King David. Boy, they missed that one by a mile. But you know, John, we know John, we know his parents. We're happy to have him. I mean, he's a little rude and crude. You know, people come out and they call them vipers and snakes and show me that you truly repent. And we're going to see all that stuff, okay? <laughs> Coming attractions. <laughs> Boy, I tell you, John just, it's just like one of those big fireworks, you know, light it and it just goes boom. That was John. All right, so <laughs> we'll get to him. Uh, now, again it says, this is again the reason why the Apostle John says he was not that light, because again Luke says in Luke 3.15 that all reason in their hearts about John, whether he was the Christ or not. And John answered, saying to all, I indeed baptize you with water, but one mightier than I is coming, whose sandal strap I am not worthy to lose. He will baptize you, not with water, but with the Holy Spirit and fire. I put that in there so you could see what was actually going on there. People miss that. People get so hung up on water baptism. And they miss what John, the water baptist, actually said there. He said, hey, I baptize with water, but the baptism you need needs to be something from above. You need a spiritual baptism. You need power. This stuff won't give you power. That will. And he's the one to give it. I don't have to give it. To get all that. He didn't have it to give. Incredible, isn't it? And he said, I know who will give that. And he's the one that's coming. 
after me. And we'll look at all of that in some detail. But for now, we can understand why the Apostle John made it very clear in John 1.8 that he was not that light, but was sent uh, to bear witness of that light. In other words, John was to be one of the proofs that Jesus was who he said he was. Added to what Jesus himself would say in John 8.18, and that is, I am the one who bears witness of myself, and the Father who sent me uh, bears witness of me. And of course, the disciples themselves, with Jesus saying, now, the disciples were also another witness, with Jesus saying here in John 15.27, and you also will bear witness because you have seen me from the beginning. How did the Father bear witness? I don't know whether I covered this. Um, we'll cover all this later. I don't know whether I did it now, right now. Anyway, uh, just to bring this in here. You know when he says that the Father bore witness of him? Remember when he was being baptized? Heavens opened up and a voice came down and said, This is my Son in whom I'm well pleased. Alright, Father bore witness. All right? So there was all these witnesses. So it wasn't that Jesus himself said, Oh, I'm the Christ, I'm the Christ. Everybody believe me, I'm the Christ. There was a lot of things that happened. There was a forerunner. There was the heavens opened up. God spoke. There were all the apostles that went with him, that saw things. Amen? And then there were the works that Jesus did that bore witness of who he was. And that's a very powerful thing. And the scriptures themselves, with Jesus saying here in John 5.39, You search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. And it is these scriptures that bear witness of me. So the scriptures themselves bore witness of him. Amen? Alright. I've I've got works down the bottom. I put a little number there. And if you look down the bottom, at John 10.25, Jesus answered and said, I told you, and you don't believe, the works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. And so he did stuff. I mean, Jesus wasn't just a lot of talk. And we're going to see all of this as we go through, needless to say. Uh, Returning to John chapter 1, the Apostle John now switches back to Jesus Christ and goes on to say in verse 9, that was the true light which gives light to every man, literally everyone coming into the world. Now the reason that John calls Jesus the true light is because unlike all the other religions or religious prophets and leaders that brought flickers of truth and light into the world, he was the genuine article. Mm. Amen? See, there's been a lot of people come through. And we've seen them, and they've been great to a degree. But nobody compares to Him. Do you understand? Some, some had you know, wisdom to give, and you can, you, know, you can have quotes by certain people and everything else. But I tell you what, nobody came close to what Jesus said and did. And it wasn't just what He said, it's what He did as well. Are you all here? Amen? All right. Um, he was the genuine article, and his light lit the way for every single human being on the planet. Praise God. In fact, in his commentary, John MacArthur translates the verse to read, The true light coming into the world gives light to every man. I like that. The true light coming into the world gives light to every man. See, there's been all kinds of lights that came into the world, but there was one true light. Following this, the Apostle John goes on to say, verses 10 and 11. I was trying to cover these verses a little bit quickly, okay, because there's four Gospels we need to get through. Okay, he says here, but he was in the world. We'll slow down when we need to, all right? It says again, he was in the world, referring to his pre existence and time on earth before he was born in Bethlehem. Now we saw all that. 
Amen. Okay, so we now know what it means when he says he was in the world. And the world was made through him. Now, that's, uh, Colossians 1.16 backs that up when he says, All things were created by him and for him. All right. Therefore, he was its rightful owner. So, the world was made through him, and the world, referring specifically here to the whole of society organized and operating independently of God, His word, and His rule. So, this is what we're talking about when you say the world. Did you catch all of that? Okay. Did not know or recognize him due to their spiritual blindness. And what's even worse is that verse 11 says he came to his own and his own did not receive him. Now it's one thing for the whole world to miss it. They didn't have the word. But his own who should have known, should have recognized and said, Behold, the Messiah. Amen. William Hendrickson in his commentary has the following to say. He was in the world, and the world came into being through him. And yet the world did not acknowledge him. Specifically, he came to his own home, and yet his own people, Israel, did not welcome him. Uh, Pretty much nails it. Okay. In fact, this negative response was so great that John MacArthur says, this theme of Jewish rejection of their promised Messiah receives special attention in John's Gospel. Praise God. Did you catch that? This theme of Jewish rejection of their promised Messiah receives special attention in John's Gospel. The reason is that John is actually writing to Jews. He's trying to tell the Jews, you missed your Messiah. The person you've been looking for, waiting for, everything that had been prophesied came. And you missed him. (laughs) In fact, you murdered him. You know, it was bad, very bad. So, it's something that is so key in this Gospel. Now, in stark contrast to these verses are the next two verses where John reveals that there were multitudes that did receive him. I love these verses. They're two of my, it's some of my favorite verses. Where he says, but as many as received him. That's all of us. Hallelujah. Amen. As many as received him. Watch this. To them he gave the right to become children of God. I memorized this verse when I first got saved. Because it meant so much to me. As many as received. Because people said, how do you know you're saved? How do you know it wasn't just an emotional thing? How do you know one saved, always saved? You know, all the stuff that comes to just mess with your brain. huh? I memorized this verse because it told me specifically, as many as came to Him. It didn't say... As many perfect people, as many people that came to Him and remain perfect, like we ever could. It said, whoever came to Him. Didn't matter what state you came to Him in. Amen? It says, He gave them the right to become children of God. He said, to those who believe in His name. That's it. You believe in His name? You're his kid. Amen? No matter how bad you might be missing it, if you believe, you have this right. And he says, who were born not of blood, all right, or certain bloodlines, right, like that of Abraham, nor of the will of the flesh, or the natural desire to have children, nor of the will of man, trying to create a perfect race through genetics and crossbreeding, okay, but of God. So this race didn't come from anything 
that man was responsible for. All right, it had nothing to do with fleshly things. Do you understand? This all had to do with God Himself. That's why it says that all things are new and all things are of God. Okay, in Corinthians, I believe. Anyway, so with the, with the words, as many as received Him, we find and understand God's original plan for salvation. And that is, it was for everyone, everywhere. Amen. It was for everyone, everywhere. Regardless of race, nationality, or gender. And why Jesus Himself said in John chapter 3, verses 16 and 17, For God so loved the world, that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever, or as many as received Him, okay, believed in Him, or believes in Him, should not perish, but have everlasting life. Whoever believes in Him should not perish. Amen? But have everlasting life. Boy, it's packed, those two words. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world. Which is why we have to be careful how we minister the word to people. Amen? It shouldn't bring condemnation. It doesn't mean that we compromise what we say. But we shouldn't be condemning. Do you understand the difference? Let me just say this and make it very simple. It's where your heart is when you're doing it. If you have a judgmental heart, then it'll be condemnation. If you have a loving heart, then it'll be correction. Do you understand? And people need to be told when they're not doing something right, but they need, the, the Bible says speak the word in love. Amen? Speaking the word in love is how you do it. And we need to learn how to do that. Because it's in our fleshly nature, when we see a problem, to jump on it and condemn the person and judge it and everything else. It's just in our flesh. I told you fleshly nature. I didn't say in our spirit. I said in our fleshly nature. And that's why we keep the flesh down. Amen? It's in God's nature to see something wrong and then pray about it and then try to bring the person back to a place of restoration. Do you understand? You try to restore that, that brother back to where, or sister, back to where they should be. So again, it says, For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the whole world through Him might be saved. Notice He wants the whole world saved. Not just a few chosen people. Just saying. Amen? Yeah, okay. <laughs> and we won't go into any other details on that one. So, that's also the reason why the Apostle Paul says in Galatians 3 and verse 28, there is neither Jew nor Greek. There's no racial distinctions. There is neither slave nor free. No class distinctions. There is neither male nor female. No gender distinctions. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. Amen? That's it, family. We need to learn this. It is only as we learn this that we'll stop looking through glasses that categorize people and put them in certain boxes and so on and so forth. Do you understand? If we are going to do what God has asked us to do, we need to work as a body. And we need to understand that whatever a, per whatever a person's gifts are, they may not be as glamorous as ours, or they might be more glamorous than ours, so to speak, using a very crude word here, but do you understand what I'm trying to say? Okay, and, but we need to not look at the one down and step on them and look at the one and worship them or envy them. We need to understand wherever we are, that's what we were created to do. 
That's the reason why the Apostle Paul says, you know, the eye is not going to say to the foot, and the foot is not going to say to the hand, and we're not going to have arguments here. Amen? It's like you all have a job to do. Do your job so that the body can, can make the progress it needs to make and put the devil under its feet. Sad thing is the body is beating itself up. And the devil is just sitting back and laughing. Every time I see you know, one denomination against another or one you know, Christian group against another, I just look at it and think, why? I'll stop preaching now. Let's get back to this. So, William Hendrickson writes, The Jew was very slow to learn. That in the new dispensation, there are no special privileges based upon physical relationships, such as being the children of Abraham. Did you catch that? You know, even today, there are so-called Jewish Christians. Why? There's no such thing as a Jewish Christian. There's just a Christian. You might be a Jew, but you're a Christian. Do you understand? We don't call ourselves Sri Lankan Christians or Fijian Christians. We're not Italian Christians. How dumb is that? Oh, come to our church, the Italian Christian church. Why? You know, that sounds stupid when you listen. Sorry, Em. But that sounds dumb, you know, when you... Oh, it's a Sri Lankan Christian church. You'll be thinking, hang on, uh, you're Christians, right? Yeah, well, that'll do. Did you get that? Yeah. Do you know why they put that in front? Because they are still believing they've got something special. Yep, they just think, well, we're kids of Abraham. Uh, so are we. More so than some of you. Because we are of the faith of Abraham. Those are his kids. Amen? Amen. When the day we get to Galatians and we do the book of Galatians, boy, I tell you, we'll learn some really good stuff there. Returning to John chapter 1 and verse 14 goes to make the most magnificent, magnificent statement here. Revealing to us that the word in verse 1 who was with God and was God throughout eternity past did something extraordinary. And that is, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Now... We are basically out of time for this session. We'll leave it there and we'll come back and we'll pick up on that verse and continue on from there. Take a break. <laughs>